Hey, welcome to Tone Talk with Dave and Mark. It's uh, Friday night, episode 134, and we've got Andy Fuchs of Fuchs Audio Engineering. Andy, how are you? I'm well, gentlemen. How are you? Good. Super good. Good. It's Friday night. We actually figured out the uh, the echo shit for whatever reason. Well, I don't know if we figured it out. That we, we're just doing Patching it in a different it. way. That's why yeah. I have headphones on, people. Yeah, we're that's my new bit. How did you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, Andy's from lovely New Jersey. We were just reminiscing about lovely New Jersey where uh, you can't make any left turns. Oh, yeah, uh, we're the cloverleaf clover capital of the United States. Yeah, <laughs> three left and a right. Or how does that work? Wait a minute. Yeah, it's cr crazy. We'll, we'll get. What's that? We'll get there yet. Three lefts make a right, whatever it is. Hey, do, do they still uh, fill up your tank though? You don't you don't fill up your gas, but oh no, no, you're you're totally remote. I missed that in New York. I liked handling the gas and gassing up my own car. It was cheaper too. Yeah, that's how they have it in Florida. But by uh by I remember in New Jersey, you just sit there and they fill it up for you. You bet. Really? Yeah. I haven't experienced that since I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but but that, but I don't think they do your tires and like and uh, check your windshield wipers or anything like that like they used to. The, or the window wash rare phenomenon. You'll occasionally get lucky in the right gas station, but not always. Yeah, mm. interesting. Yeah, those are the those are the my memories of New Jersey. So <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, thanks for joining us, Andy. Uh, we appreciate it. I know we we struggled with a little technology, but appreciate you uh, going through it to get you get you on here. Um, big fans of uh, of your amps, and uh, I've seen your stuff for a long time. So uh, would love to get into all the stuff with you about you know your brand and how you got into it and everything like that tonight. Uh, we'll also okay. have questions from folks. Um, I'm sure he'll be asking us questions. So if people have questions or super chats, just, just throw them in there and we'll, uh, we'll get to them. And, uh, so, uh, are you going to Nam? Have you, been, <laughs> do you traditionally go to Nam? Only if the dog can come. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, close as it is, I'm not entirely sure. Um, you know, I'm getting mixed signals from most of the people in the business that, you know, NAM is not what it used to be. Um, and, and fortunately, you know, post pandemic, I've been really busy. Um, there's a couple of people I wouldn't mind going out there and seeing, uh, you know, from a business standpoint, but, you know, I don't consider it as imperative as it used to be. Um, you know, it's just a scaled down show from what it was. We, we did our share of NAM booths for many years and once we got the momentum and the brand sort of got known, I, I just didn't really see the worth in doing it as a smaller business. You know, I wish I had back half of what I spent on NAM relative to what I got from NAM. Um, <laughs> oh, probably not. I'm, I'm way overdue for a vacation between a divorce and a pandemic. I could use a little time away, um, but probably not. Probably not. Yeah, I know Dave's not going. Uh, well, not as a company. You might attend and just check it out. There aren't you in yeah. the LA area? Yeah, I mean, I'm probably going to go there, but um, we have an uh, apparently Boutique Amps Distribution have a, has an office there. So at Nam, yeah, 
Yeah, well, they had a, a phenomenal booth for a number of years. It was huge. I know. <clears throat> oh, I know. Oh, yeah, it was beautiful. It was a beautiful <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, um, I mean, if I, you... it might just be a last-minute thing. If, if it comes up that, you know, enough people say it's worth my while to go, you know, I may do it, but I'm, I'm not in a big hurry. I got enough stuff when, on my to keep busy. When did you stop going? Because I haven't been since pre-COVID. Yeah, same here. Same here. Okay. Even even after we uh, stopped doing a booth, I had done a you know a couple of booth shares. I placed some amps out there with a few friends, and you know I went out there to pound the flesh, but no booths. It's got to be God, geez, five six years maybe. Mm. And I went to Nashville Nam not too long ago, and it was it was just like there were tumbleweeds. You know, it's like <laughs> and the local amp shows that were more exciting. Right. Yeah, I heard the the Nashville one pretty much like when they first came back after COVID was really sad. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but yeah, I, mean, I, give a, now. I give them a lot of yeah, I give them a lot of credit for keeping it going. But um, you know, yeah, I think how you... internet changed everything. You know, you're you're really at a point now where you can get so much information, and if you handle social media right and your product videos and you know, your interaction with the public, uh, you know, I don't know that Nam really gets you that because you didn't really have a whole big public contingency going in there, uh, mm -hmm. contingent, excuse me. And, uh, you know, it, it was debatable whether you really could meet your actual customer as much as you'd meet dealers and distributors. So, you know, it, 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 looking back on it, like my, my director said, put your money into social media, doing product videos, you know, some advertising, even though printed media is almost gone, you know, Absolutely. we're now online. So, okay, we'll do, we'll do something with them. You know, do you still do any printed media? Like, uh, I, I remember seeing your ads in like vintage guitar magazine, I think. And stuff like that. You know, we've gotten some offers recently and, and now that we're, you know, businesses picked back up after the pandemic, we'll probably do, uh, you know, vintage guitar or, you know, a guitar player, one of those, and more than likely in the online end of it. Um, I got a vintage guitar mail last week and I was like surprised. It's like, wow, they're still around, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So yeah. I, again, I don't know the worth of it. I really don't. We've, we've built a good brand and we've got a lot of social media. I put my, my son who's real computer savvy more than I am in charge of my uh, Instagram and Facebook and all that. And he's, He's gotten more followers and more activity in the last couple of days than I've gotten in the last year. So that that's going to be good for us too, you know. Well, that's the that's the way to go, obviously. Yep. Uh, for everything, sure. Everything is with social media. We we actually I'm curious what people if they want to put in the into the uh the chat what people think. I just started doing shorts, YouTube shorts of uh -huh. our, our our of our interviews. So I would take a clip of an interview that we did with anybody uh, of, you know, of the past 130 shows that we've done. And, uh, you know, I'll just put it up there so we can get a bigger audience and people can, you know, come to the show and check it out. So uh, I don't know if people have checked out this, the shorts I put out there, but I'm going to be doing more and see, you know, the traffic, certainly it helped a lot. I don't know if it's going to help with subscribers, but we'll see what happens. So, well, which reminds I'll tell you me, what, I did a I did a session um, a while back at Sam Ash, who's one of our dealers, and I was very impressed. The technology has just jumped ahead, where you can buy a Zoom interface 
you can do multi-channel, multi-camera, uh, you know, direct to computer and then edit it later on. And you can do some amazing quality demos. And I'm like, I could spend less money. By the time you're done with airfare, lodging, food, and the show, I could probably spend, you know, 20% of that to buy the video gear to do it and stay in New Jersey and produce better content at less, less of a cost. And that seems right. to be the direction we're thinking about going. I mean, I got plenty of room in the shop to set up a corner where we could really, really do a nice job of doing that. And I'm hoping to do that, you know, sometime this year. Now, do you also work with other like online YouTubers, influencers and, and uh, get That's, them to try out, you try out your gear and stuff like that. I know Dave does that and they'll like, have like a release of a certain product. You know, I'm just curious if you've done that before. Yeah, there are a couple of people I'm in touch with and we're definitely planning on that for this year for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Join the crowd. <laughs> yeah, yeah pay the guys that do it well <laughs> oh no doubt no doubt i've done my share of you know i'm sure you've seen them you know i i bought a zoom recorder years ago and you know set up the studio in the studio so to speak in my showroom and got some lighting and you know i mean what we put out we were proud of at the time but yeah i mean you look at some of the influencers out there there's people that have built some amazing brands just through you know, remarkably good social media content, you know, oh, and it's yeah. like, you know, yeah, absolutely. you do that, well, you know, so I'm, we'll probably do more of that this year. Yeah. I mean, geez, you know, who's been amazing at it is uh JHS with Josh Scott. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. And Major, really majorly. Yeah. I don't What's want funny to, is I don't want to say the V word, but you know, th there's a guy who makes pedals, who's been unbelievably just intense on videos and, you know, he's a real good presence in the camera and he's he's promoted really well. He's done a really good job of promoting his business. You know, I mean, I'm impressed by what he's done. I can't I can't hold that back, you know, mm -hmm. and I, I think we'd like to go in a similar direction, you know. Yeah, I think it's smart. It's smart. Um, and, and obviously people are are watching. Right. Oh, yeah. It's the only, it's the only form of advertising anymore, you know. What? Oh, really? <laughs> but that, it, nothing else exists. The magazine doesn't really exist. You know, it, it well, even you know, Premier Guitar is you know, um, doing online. you know online stuff massively. Yeah. You know, everything away. Like they're coming I mean, I, here next week. <laughs> they are coming there. Yeah, well, that's cool. What are they doing? Can't say. Oh, <laughs> oh, damn. Tells you, I'll ask offline. But that's cool. Work in boutique amps building itself, or do you still have your own shop? I have my own shop. That's where I'm sitting in. Um, uh -huh. You know, I'm doing amp mods and and some repairs and some stuff like that. You know, and um, then other than that, uh, it, you know, it's just. Uh, designing stuff here, stuff like that, you know. Sure. And I still do rigs for people, you know. I have forever. So. Sure. How often are you yeah. doing that, Dave? Building rigs. Is that like every, all the time? Every week, you got another rig to build. Yeah, it just kind of comes in. Absolutely, all all the time. There's something going on. Hmm. Yeah. We're like that on the service side of my shop. You know, one probably a third third of my shop is a repair business, independent of production. 
Um, I've got one tech who comes in working for me. I do some stuff myself. I still, I still find it very therapeutic. At the end of the day, it's very cathartic. You know, I do engineering during the day, quality control on the stuff that we build and, and help my shop supervisor get stuff built, um, you know, overseeing purchasing agent type stuff. Um, but like, you know, when the 430 bell rings, I'll put an hour or two in on the repair bench because I still enjoy it. And, you know, truth be told, it makes money and I'm, I'm, in, I'm having fun. Um, and we've gotten a really, really good following in part because we do good work and secondarily because the guys in my immediate area, to be frank, are not that great. You know, I've got guys that's like, my amp's been at that guy's shop three times. Dude, it's a blackface deluxe. What could go wrong? What yeah. could they possibly be doing wrong? <laughs> well, you know, the analogy yeah. is you're going you're gonna to tune your engine, but you're only going to change two spark plugs. How about you change all the caps while you're in the amp? You know, and, and whether that's laziness, whether that's built-in customer returns for more money, I don't know. You know, I grew up in a house. My father was a band instrument repairman. He very rarely changed one or two pads. He changed them all on the saxophone. So, you know, I'm kind of the same right. way. I thorough. I'm not the cheapest guy on the block. Um, being 20 or 30 minutes from Manhattan, people are happy to come out of Manhattan and pay a Manhattan price for better quality work. Um, and that's kept us real busy, which is nice. And like I say, what my other guy does, he specializes in class DJBL powered speakers and Mackie mixers and keyboards and tape recorders. And I'm the amp guy. That's my thing. Um, and between us, we, we move a lot of stuff through the shop and we've got a pretty good satisfaction rating, which is, which is cool. You know, for me, it's like going to the therapist. I'm going to put in two hours at the bench, make a cup of coffee, put on some music and bang out repair work. Well, I can tell you, it's it's a pleasure to uh, have someone that knows what they're doing. <laughs> well, you know this. You know part, this is there's 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 a lot of guys out there that are, you know, amp garage graduates, or you know, I learned it on the internet. You know, I mean, I was lucky, you know, really fortunate and blessed that, you know, in the sixth grade, the local TV store was run by a guy who was my father's buddy from the Korean War. They were in the signal corps together. And um, my father got me like, you know, go see Al up the block. He'll give you a job. I'm like, I'm 13 years old. I need a job, you know. Um, right. But I, I was taught, you know, the guy came in. He said, you want to work here? Yeah. Come in tomorrow. Five o'clock, you know, after school, 3.30, you work till five or six o'clock. Okay, great. Uh, and he came in with a milk crate full of uh, Army and Navy electronics manuals. And he put him on the counter and he said, you're going to need to learn this because this shit can kill you. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> um, but, you know, I was forced to learn Ohm's law and calculating gain and grounding and, you know, diagnostics and all of that. And I was really lucky to kind of come in on the tail end of tubes. Um, you know, when college came around, you know, I was like, well, I'm going to go to school and learn engineering in tubes. And that would have been 1975. And everybody said, oh, you're probably 10 years too late. Yeah. So you know, lucky right. if you couldn't learn anymore in school. Um, and there's a lot of people today that are, you know, brilliant engineers. Listen, they can design, you know, computer stuff and channel switching and all kinds of swell stuff. And they think because they're an engineer that they can design tube stuff. And the scary thing is they don't really necessarily have that ability and don't know it 
Um, and some of them work for bigger companies. You know, I, some of the stuff I service, I'm like, you know, just because Leo did it that way, you don't have to do it that way. Whether it's that tone or whether it's reliability or whether it's just, you know, a, a different way to do things that we later found out was better. And there are people that are just locked into the whole vintage thing. Well, it's got to be done that Who said so? You know, right. I mean, just like, just like what Dave's doing, uh, you know, is sort of uh, an outgrowth of the basement Marshall, you know, uh, Jose Arandondo, all these different, you know, guys that eventually evolved into different kinds of circuits. Um, sure. You got to further that. You got you know, and put your own spin on it as well. You know, in the beginning, I was labeled, you know, you're a, you're a cloner. Okay, well, if you knew what you were talking about and you took an amp apart, you'd realize it's really not that. You know, yes, I found inspiration in what somebody did, but I also thought I could do it better and take it further. And it took me 20 years for people to finally say, you know, you might have a point there, you know. Yeah. And, and, and kudos <laughs> doing the same thing in your discipline i mean uh you know truth be told we have our service division does work for boutique amps and we see and we see friedman and Eggnator and all the stuff that you guys sold and mm -hmm. i think your amps are terrific i think they're beautifully built i think they sound great you know most of the time services oh a bad tube oh a filter capacitor you know nothing you could hang on somebody and say oh they did something wrong you yeah. know and i think you're doing a job with with the concept that you're the platform that you're working within mm-hmm yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's just nice to have, uh, someone there, you know, to be able to service your stuff, you know, it's, it's, it just doesn't happen that often, you know, and I, it, it drives, drives me insane. I think it's the power transformer. I go, it's not the power transformer. <laughs> uh, stop participating in so many of the threads on Facebook, you know, I, I bought a yeah. meter, you know, I mean, I'll never forget. I worked in a service shop years ago. We we had a guy who graduated from a technical school, and he was a hire as a technician. So we get a PV mixer and walk over to his bench, and he's got a pile of fuses on the bench. I said, what are you doing? He said, it blows the fuse. Okay. I said, what's the problem? He goes, the fuse blows too fast for me to figure out what's wrong. And I just flashed <laughs> I composed myself and I said, all right, now I'm going to teach you, you know, the basics of diagnostics. And it's like, it's, it's going to be, you know, probably, you know, three or four things, bad output transistor, bad power transformer, maybe a diode in the power supply, but let me show you how we do this. And you would think I found a cure for polio when I explained <laughs> to him, you know, how I approached the diagnostic process. And he was like, holy shit, man, that's amazing. I said, no, it's really not. You know, it's just, it's a logical progression. And and by the way, you owe me for like 12 fuses, you know. <laughs> but I but I see it on the internet all the time. It's like, well, you know, I checked this and I checked that. And you want to like yell at the screen. But you didn't check the fucking rectifier tube. Jesus. You know, it's, it's kind of crazy what's out there. You know, I mean, we're doing service for you guys. We're doing service for victory. Um, I mean, angle, you know, and, and they're like, we're glad to have you, whatever you need to charge us. Just, we just want to get it done and know that it's going to work. Right. I mean, you know, it's, 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 it's just service one-on-one. It, it's, it's like, uh, it's blowing fuse. Okay. Pull all the tubes out. 
Yeah, exactly. Put a fuse in. Does it blow it now? No. Okay. Put the rectifier tube in. Leave the tubes out. Does it blow it now? No. Okay. Could still possibly be the rectifier tube. Hold on. Put the power <laughs> tubes back in, you know. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it, you know, it's blowing the fuse. Well, it's either a shorted diode, a rectifier tube, or a shorted power tube. Yep. Basically, that's it. That's most of it, you know. Occasionally oh, yeah. something else weird, like a bad transformer, but that's rare. Um, you know, it, 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 that's it. <laughs> yeah, but finding yeah. people locally in most places nowadays is next to impossible who know what yeah, they're doing. Yeah, true. True. Yeah, it's actually sad in a way. You know, I've gotten people that are actually like, well, I'll be glad to ship it to you because there's like nobody who does it by me. Like, mm -hmm. oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. You know? Yeah. Unless you're in a major city or some, you know, some major city, like, you know, like if you're in Detroit, no problem. Lots of them. Tons of them, actually. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, just in Detroit alone, I can think of maybe four, five, or six different guys. Besides um, Bruce? Really? Br yeah. <laughs> Br Dan Russell, Bruce, Eggnator, uh, George Metropolis. George Metropolis, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. There's another guy, Dean Zink or something. Mm -hmm. And uh, okay, maybe there's four guys. <laughs> there's probably some more, uh, you know. And I got a great guy in Vegas, uh, Carl Popic, mm -hmm. and uh, you know, got a great guy in Toronto. So uh, you know, got good good stuff in Nashville. Couple oh, people there. there, Todd Sharp, and yep, you know. Uh, oh, yeah. oh, Nashville's the place to be. Yeah. Well, Nashville, you got a few, several, but um, you know, well, listen, uh, there's, uh, other there's, places there's too. Like Knoxville, there's good tech. Yep, absolutely. But there's not that many across the U.S. Uh, I totally understand. Well, I was going to say, oh, yeah. how many in New Jersey nowadays besides you, Andy? Not many. Um, in North Jersey, myself, and there's probably three or four others. Um, you know, and again, I've got New York a stone's throw away, but I've got people saying, you know, well that guy's great, but like, he's really flaky and, you know, you got to get him on the right day or, you know, he's just backed up, you know, he just can't handle the workload. It's like, really? Come on, stop. You know? So yeah, we're, we're, we're happy. You know, we're, we're keeping busy, which is great. And, and word of mouth is, is a powerful thing. Um, I, I didn't start out, you know, doing service. I started out in manufacture. Um, you know, customer walked into the shop, you know, and, and, uh, you know, said, you know, can you fix my, my fender twin? And I'm like, well, I kind of don't do that, but I'll, you know, I'll help you out. And the next thing, you know, you know, it's like that, the commercial for the hair dye or whatever it was, you know, they tell two friends and they tell two friends. And the next thing, you know, you got, you know, the phone ringing off the hook and guys are coming in like crazy. And we're like, we got to get some software and start managing service. Cause it's that busy, hmm. which was great. And it was very organic in that it built from within itself. I, I put an ad on the internet once a week on Craigslist. Hey, I'm here. This is what I do. These are my clients, but it's not like I'm doing a full court press and we keep busy, which is great. Yeah, right. Fantastic. So when did you start the actual, um, Fuchs audio and your, that would have been nine. That would have been 99. I worked on 48th street in 1976. Oh. Um, I went to, uh, in lieu of going to college, I went to technical school. I went to RCA institutes, and I learned electronic technology in the shadow of Madison Square Garden. 
and um, classes were not a full day situation. So from there, I would literally walk across Manhattan. You know, I could I used you know appreciated the exercise, and I went from Thirty Fourth Street to Forty Eighth Street. You know, within a half an hour or so. Much younger. Yeah. And I worked for We Buy Guitars. I did a little bit of work for Sam Ash. Um, I started doing work for other local smaller music stores, Maggio Music in Brooklyn and Royal Music in Brooklyn. Um, I was literally picking up and dropping off repair work in my car. I was a hustler uh, playing gigs in the meantime. And I did that up until, oh, I, maybe I was 28 or 30. Um, my last job in the industry was with a company who's now a competitor of mine in New Jersey. I started his amp department. Um, the owner of the shop, you know, came to me one day and said, you know, I think we're done. You know, I could hire somebody for less money who can do, you know, as good a job as you. And I said, hey, knock yourself out. Um, and I got a real job and I worked in sales for 10, 12 years. I was in... Um, what they call low voltage systems, which was an architectural sales division that was fire alarm, um, clock systems, intercom systems, camera systems, card access stuff. Um, made a good living. I mean, a, a decent living. I managed to fund a retirement and uh, bought a house, put two kids through school. Between that and gigging, I was doing fine. And I kind of, when I bought a house, um, I kind of returned to this as a hobby. Um, in the 90s. I started building stuff for myself, mostly. Um, and I started to go out to uh, open mics and jams and stuff and bring in my own stuff along. Mm. And, you know, somebody would come over and say, hey, what's that? That sounds great. What is that? I built it. No, no, seriously. Where'd you get it? I built it. Could you make me one? Yeah, all right. You know, and I was at the time playing bass because that's where the gigs were. I was a guitar player, but there were guys that were better than me in doing the weddings and corporate crap. So I played bass. I played upright and I played electric and I would bring a guitar amp along with me and say to the guitar player, Hey, listen, you know, leave the blues to in the car, try this. Uh, and I started selling amps that way, just, you know, one-on-one. -on -one. Hmm. Um, and around 99, my, my former brother-in-law said, you know, you should go on the internet. I said, uh, internet. And I really wasn't a web guy until, you know, Greg turned me on to putting up a website, um, recorded a bunch of sound files. And you had to be really dedicated in 99 with dial-up. You had to, like, download it, maybe go have, <laughs> have a beer, come back and then listen to your sound file. Um, and the crazy thing was, you know, like, I would get a phone call. I'm sitting having breakfast and I hear the shop phone in the basement ringing. I go downstairs and it's some guy in England. I need you to build me an amp, mate. I listened to your sound file. It's terrific. I'm like, all right. You know, and it, it grew from there. And around 2000, 2001, I guess, I actually hired somebody to man the phones and, and build things during the day when I still had a job. Um, I would go to work and I, I had a girl, she since passed away, Joni Bender, who was fantastic. She'd be on the phone. Oh, Andy's unavailable right now. He's in the lab. No, Andy was at his day job, but nobody knew that. Um, and <laughs> she brought a friend of hers in because I got busy enough that now I had two people stuffing circuit boards and wiring chassis. And eventually it got busy enough that uh, I hit a point in my day job where it was like, you know, I've had enough of this whole corporate thing. My, my dad had gotten ill. My pop had ALS. 
-hmm. And that was a uh, kind of a turning point for me because I was like, you know what? Nothing is worth, you know, giving your heart and soul up and busting your ass for someone else making money. I left corporate America and I came home and my ex-wife says to me, what happened today? I said, well, I quit my job. What's for dinner? <laughs> um, but, but we were lucky because by then I had money in the bank for the business and I had a decent amount of back orders and I had a decent flow of product. And, you know, I just, instead of putting on a suit and tie, I went down to work in my pajamas in my basement. Mm -hmm. and, uh, it eventually got busy enough that we rented a small space in, in Bloomfield where I lived at about 1200 square feet which we outgrew in six months. Um, and I found a new space where I am now for 20 years, which is 5,000 square feet, the next town over in Clifton. And we moved the offices and R&D and everything uh, from all the storage units we were renting for chassis and speaker cabinets and all that crap into one place. Um, mm -hmm. and we've been there years. So it, it evolved into that. And you know, now today we've got... Um, total of six or seven people working for us um and we're doing uh, we're introducing two new base amps uh, four, excuse me four new base amps this year oh, wow. um we introduced a couple of new models uh, in the repair reduction post pandemic we're rocking and rolling finally Great. again <laughs> yeah did you have um you know supply chain issues getting parts and stuff like oh my god you know one, one of the biggest <laughs> one of the biggest problems Fortunately, and, and, you know, we didn't create it, but um, there was a supplier out of Chicago called Classic Tone. And Classic Tone was a uh, division of a bigger company called Schumacher, who used to make Transformers for Fender going back to the 40s. And, you know, I joke around about it, but they were like the Home Depot of Transformers. You go online, it's like, yeah, you know, a pro reverb output's perfect. Two six L six fifty watts, four eight sixteen ohm outputs. The price is right, and they're in stock. So as a manufacturer, yeah. I could do just in time delivery. I didn't have to stock a whole lot. Um, my power transformers are wound for my spec because I've got extra windings for relays and, and reverb and fun stuff like that. But I couldn't use an off-the-shelf transformer. But Classic Tone all of a sudden sends out a letter and says, hey, we're done. And I tried my hardest. I called friends of mine in the business and said, like at Fender and Gibson, and I think I even called Avi at Boutique Camps. I'm like, this is a company you really don't want to see them go out of business. You really got to try. Um, I understand Habor, who we still use as a supplier today, uh, bought a lot of winding equipment and inventory from them. And I think they bought intellectual files. But man, you know, that was a great company. Effort. Uh, you know, generally just like I still get reminders, you know, those capacitors that you ordered last summer. Uh, we're going to have them in December. It's a year <laughs> and a half capacitor. What the hell? I don't remember what I ordered. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, when the shit shows up, I mean, we can always use it. Um, but the crazy part of it is like I spend, you know, two hours, three hours in the morning on the Internet looking for alternative suppliers. And I'm like trying to find, you know, another part that will get the job done. And I don't want to do that. 
you know, I want to just stick with a bill of, bill of material that I've been using. You know, excuse me, for 15 years, I'm buying the same resistor from Mauser or DigiKey or whoever. And now all of a sudden, it's like, you know, I got a new job besides QC and designing. I'm a purchasing agent. And it's like whack-a-mole for part. I can't have that capacitor. What can you use instead? It's crazy. It's, it was yeah. a pain in the ass. And finally, we're finally at that. Um, the good part of the pandemic is it forced me to find um, not only new vendors, but now I've got redundant vendors. You know, I never, I never felt the need to have it, but now I do. So if I need a part, hey, you don't have it, let me look around. If I'm willing to wait, I'll give you the order, but I got to find somebody faster. Um, and I think that's finally dying down for the most part. But boy, but that's scary, man. It's like you got orders. It's like you know, at one point I had back orders over a year old, and it was it was making me crazy because like you know, money in the bank, and then it's not because you don't have it yet. Right. Yep. Yep. Um, you know, question. A lot of the same vendors. You know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Classic tone. We we had some transformers that were from them. So uh, you know, when they went out of business, it's like, oh boy, okay, fun. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. boy. Well, now we've our returned. Price went up. Good that stuff's finally moving again, and you know, between a solid core group of of vendors, now we're we're okay. Yeah. Exactly. That's good. good to hear, uh, Chuck McNeil. Thanks for the super chat, Chuck. Um, I don't see your question, though. So if I find it, I'll ask it. Uh, Modern Vintage. Dave, Phil McKnight said the cost of R&D and making lefties isn't the issue, but rather warehousing. So, ma so many units for a long time. Can you discuss more? Yeah, I mean, I, that, that, that's, that's true. I mean, doing the R&D to make the lefty is not a, not a big deal at all. But um, for sure, warehousing. <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're talking about a production run of something, there's not a lot of people buying lefties. So how many do you have to buy and then sit on? I mean, you know. I mean, it's ten percent of the guitar population, basically. Yeah, which is a small population. Well, it's ten percent of the guitar population, but then if, for one brand, how what percentage of the ten percent? <laughs> right. Right. You know. Exactly. Happen to be buying less than a percent. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. So how many, how many, you know, we've made lefties in the past, but we've sold maybe three or four of them. Oh, really? The time we've made guitars. You had to sit on them. Uh, I would think well, they're probably built to order three or four. <laughs> What's that? We only made three or four. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah Thank God figure. we don't have to make lefty amplifiers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Damn lefties. <laughs> yeah, all backwards and shit. I know. I know. I feel very yeah, unique in a way. With, but... C with CNC, it's kind of cool. It's like, I guess it's probably easy to like tell the program you want to just flip things around. But yeah, man, can we all just get along and play the correct way? Oh my God. That's sacrilege. <laughs> <laughs> tell that to like Eric Gales or somebody like that. Well, for me, I, you know, I it was impossible. I mean, I literally have pictures of myself when I was a kid doing air guitar and I was playing it lefty. I mean, I just inherently that is the way I play guitar. Can't can't do it that's, another that's, way. That's crazy. And you know what's funny? My pop had a music store 
And we would get somebody who would come in and say, I need to buy a guitar for my son. He's a lefty. And my father would say, well, that's great. And he'd hand him a guitar. He's like, well, no, this is a righty. And my father would explain, you're a lefty and your left hand, you know, is your dominant hand and probably the most skilled hand you have. You have an advantage playing guitar correctly because your left hand is the most agile and, and you know, assuming, you know, all things being equal, it's your best hand, so to speak. Mm. Why would you want to complicate your life trying to find guitars the rest of your life for a so-called lefty player when actually it's advantageous for you to play the correct right-handed way. And people, like most people got that, but there were still people that were like, oh, I'm going to go find a lefty guitar at Sam Ash. It's like, okay, knock yourself out. You know, and you're locking your your potential, you know, future purchases, you know, into that one or 2% of, of lefty guitars that you can get your hands on it and hope they're good ones. Bad enough trying to find a good righty guitar. You play 10 left less balls and, and two of them are okay, and one of them spectacular, and the rest of them are kindling. You know, now you've it's narrowed true. that field even further. You know, it's true. It's true. I mean, I, thankfully, I play horribly in the correct position. I play horribly in the proper way. <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, I, um, Dave, did you take off the headphones? Yeah, I switched to, to the computer. Oh, okay. He's freewheeling uh, now. Look at. I, I, it was too annoying to me. Too annoying. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's the it's the only voice I have. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, for me, I, I, I think, you know, I, I play drums also. I think that's part of the behind. I was a drummer before I picked up guitar. So, wow. but anyway, long story short, uh, it's just the way I play, you know, it, it way it is. But I suck on as a lefty, so. You know, what can we do? Uh, well, yeah, thankfully, manufacturers have gotten a lot better at building left-handed models, so I don't have to, like... It was When I first started, it was worse. You know, it was, like, one squire that you can basically get or something. You know, pretty now horrible. it seems like Ibanez and some of the bigger brands, it's definitely more prevalent that you can actually lay your hands on, the, you know, decent lefty guitars. I'm seeing it, like, on Sweetwater and, and sites like that, so they're clearly... Clearly, somebody recognized they should do that more, you know. Yeah, I'm glad that they did, to be honest. Um, let's one, see. Oh, one, go ahead, Dave. If, 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 let him answer. That's for him. Okay. Uh, evening, gents. Randy Price, thanks for the super chat. Love your amps, Andy. First Fuchs I ever played was actually BC Cockmitz rig back when he was in I Empire. Massive sounding amp. Yeah, thank you so much. Appreciate that. You know which amp he was playing? Um, I'm going to guess probably a Mantis. That was our metal amp at that point in time. Mm. Um, that 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 band was terrific. BC was a great guy as well. Um, we had an AR girl at the time who got us into a number of those uh, up and coming metal metal type bands. It was it was good stuff. Good times. Cool, cool. Thanks, Randy. Uh, by the way, um, we have two sponsors for the show. Make sure you guys check out Sweetwater. Um, Sweetwater is a sponsor for the show, and we have an affiliate link. If you click on there and just purchase any gear, uh, it helps out our channel. Um, doesn't increase the price at all or anything like that. And then also check out uh, fixpedalboards.com. Uh, Tim over at Fix Pedalboards, he's got a bunch of stuff for upgrading your pedal boards, so you can check them out as well. Um, Let's see. We got Mike Martin says, Andy, hello from Atlanta, my friend. 
You know, Mike. Martin. Mikey, how the hell are you? Oh my God, haven't seen you since the pandemic. Holy crap! Good to hear from you, man. Hope you're doing well. Nice. Uh, oh, Randy wrote. I believe BC was using the Mantis. Not sure if he used it in non-point. That rig was fucking loud, huh? Oh, he was in non-point. <laughs> non-point was oh, yeah. the band that started uh, down here in South Florida. Good, good I, group of guys I, too. Yeah, that's cool. Um, let's see. So, what other amps are you coming out with, Andy? You mentioned that you're coming out with bass amps. Well, we we for years we teased bass amps at NAM. I had built my share of prototypes along the way. Um, I recently had a new hire about a year and a half ago, uh, who's my shop supervisor, but he's a really gifted. Um, what would the what would the right way be to quantify it? He's a good packaging engineer. Um, I've designed most of my own boards. My amps are a mixture of uh, point to point and circuit boards, as are Dave's. Um, Scott came to me and um, we took him on as a shop supervisor, which I needed because the workload had gotten big enough that I needed somebody to run the zoo. And um, he showed me some pedals because he had his own pedal business going as he called it on my dining room table. Um, but what was great about Scott's, uh, you know, skill set is his stuff like a pedal is, you know, five or 10 minutes to put it together and test it and get it out the door. And I was amazed because my pedals, when I, when I was doing pedals, which I'm not at the moment, were very labor intensive, a lot of time and, you know, labor wiring them and all that. Um, you know, he came in and showed me a couple of his pedals. And I was really impressed. Um, and I've given scott some tasks which number one was the bass amp um i've had a number of customers that said man you know you've been teasing bass amps for years and years when are you going to finally do it and um scott and i sat down and figured out the best means to do it and before summer uh we'll have four models uh coming to market um we're doing a solid state preamp i i was lucky sort of as this little side side note here I started to find customers in the New York area bringing me Walter Woods bass amps. And the best way to put it is Walter Woods was the Howard Dumble of bass amps. Um, he built them in his house. Um, he and his wife apparently, you know, built bass amps on their dining room table. Um, in my opinion, the, they are the Fabergé eggs of amps. So you open them up and you marvel at how beautifully they're built and how beautifully they're packaged and how great they sound. Um, Walter is either dead or not interested in servicing his amps at this point. He's got to be in his 80s, maybe older. Um, so I said, well, we'll take a look at it. I'll see what I can do. Um, and we started to see other bass players. You know, I guess you know, the, the, the phone started ringing. People said, I found a guy who can fix your woods. And you know, here's, here's a guy who had a Walter Woods in his closet for six years because he couldn't get it fixed. Um, and I became really kind of fascinated. And, and Walter was a brilliant engineer. Um, he built a switch mode amp at a time when nobody did that. And here's an amp that weighs four pounds. It puts out 300 watts. It sounds beautiful. And you can toss it in your gig bag. Um, nowadays, that technology, at least the power amp, isn't that impressive. Uh, with ice power modules and digital technology, they've caught on and surpassed what Walter did. But Walter's preamp was spectacular. Um, very flexible, very musical, very quiet. 
um, very organic and articulate. Um, so I kind of sat down and drew up a schematic one night and I built a Walter Woods on a hunk of perf board. And I said, man, this preamp is pretty seriously good. And I made it up with an ice power module. Plus I put a few of my own spins on some portions of the circuit and we've decided we're going to go with that. So we're making two models that are solid state. Let's say it's a wood style preamp in front and ice power module out back. Uh, there'll be two power levels, about 300 watts and 700 watts. Um, very tiny package. Again, you could stick it in the pouch of your base, base gig bag. Um, mm. Very flexible, good sound and stuff. And then secondarily, um, I've always loved the SVT, as has everybody, until you had to pick one up. And I started working with switch mode power supply technology and came up with a circuit that'll give me 300 volts to run the tubes, uh, but from the supply voltages that come out of an ice power module. So I've got a tube preamp, um, somewhat SVT inspired, but again, with some of my own, you know, uh, tweaks to it. For example, I've got a subsonic filter that, that starts at 20 hertz and by 18 hertz, it's 12 dB down. So you're not wasting amplifier power flopping around speaker cones and, uh, you know, wasting energy. The amp sounds really good um, because it's not wasting its time, you know, reproducing stuff you don't need. Um, you know, we've got a DI output with a phase switch, a ground lift, um, pre or post tone controls. Uh, and again, same. What's cool about it is it's got a tube preamp in it, and it's still, you know, three and a half, four pounds. Hmm. Uh, and it's, it sounds real good. Uh, we're sharing the same chassis for all four models. Um, we've got working prototypes. I'm going out to a couple of shows locally to show them off. I've taken them to open mics and jams and had bass players say, put me on the list. Um, so that's kind of exciting. Um, guys my age are tired of schlepping around big rigs, and, and I think they're going to do well. Um, so that's new for us. Uh, we're also doing some cabinets to go with them as well. Uh, we, we like the Celestian Neo speakers. Um, so we're probably going to go with that and there'll probably be two or three cabinets, um, for, for base, uh, for the base amps as well. Um, I've also reintroduced, we made a model years ago called the clean machine. It was a single channel, non-master volume, uh, good amp for guys that want to play Mayer cleans or jazz, uh, good pedal platform nowadays with processors and stuff. Um, it's, it's a good platform to add some tube character, um, to a solid state front end if you will um, and we've reintroduced it now it's the clean machine too um, same basic preamp and power amp however we've embraced the digital reverb over the last couple of years i got tired of broken reverb pans um, i got tired of reverb pan inconsistency uh, you'd buy a box of you know 20 or 30 pans of the same part number and they never sounded the same um, yeah. Uh, Accutronics was sold to um, a Korean company whose name escapes me at the moment, um, who, because of Rojas, which is certain substances and materials and plating and stuff you can no longer do legally, especially in Europe, they changed the construction of the reverb pans and they sounded even worse. Um, I discovered a chip that a lot of pedal guys were using and, and studio equipment guys uh, made by a company called Spin Technology, which was an offshoot of Alesis. Uh, it's a 16-bit digital reverb that is very musical, sounds terrific. 
And we swung our amps over probably six or seven years ago away from pans uh, to this technology. Um, and what's nice is I mix it through a tube. Um, I feed the input of the digital reverb from a tube and I take the output of the digital reverb through a tube and it gives it a nice musicality. In the case of the Clean Machine 2, you've got a level control, you've got a decay control, and you have basically bass and treble controls on the reverb itself. So mm. the reverb in that amp is spectacular. And I love good reverb. I mean, I grew up on Ampeg Gemini 1s and 2s and, and obviously Fenders, and I love a good reverb. And this reverb is just wonderful. It wraps itself around a note that's real spatial and it doesn't sound digital. Um, so I'm kind of excited about that. It's uh, gonna be three models. There'll be a 50, a 50, 25 and a hundred water. Um, and we've already started moving them out and the, the guys that have bought them love them to death, which is great. So that's the latest, those uh, the base amps and the, uh, the clean machine too, at this point are the, are the latest things we're doing. Now do your amps, um, do they have effects loops or, or no, you keep. Oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. the casino series, which is our low end line has a passive loop. Uh, you can plug in, we make a pedal called the tube effects loop, which is basically my loop, but in a pedal form. Um, and it does series in parallel. It does pedal and line level. You plug it into that uh, effects jack, and it works with other amps as well, most of the double clones. Uh, if you get an amp like a Marshall or whatever that's a series-only loop, it'll give you more flexibility. So that my low-end series, you need to add the outboard loop to make it a little bit more friendly to the outside world because the stock loop is a line-level loop. So if you plug it into a rack mount device, you're fine. If you want to try using pedals, you probably want an interface. But the, um, the Overdrive Classic, the ODS-2, and the Clean Machine have the same loop we've been using for years, which is series and parallel and pedal in line level. I, I gig. I do a DD-5 Roland in the loop. I set it up for full wet. So I run the loop in parallel. And it sounds great. Um, and the loop is also used to mix the reverb. So it's, you know, it's, it's got to sound good. You know, it's funny because I get a an email or a phone call from someone who says, you know, your loop doesn't sound very good. It's like, well, the loop's on all the time. What did you plug into it? And they don't realize that you're at the mercy of the 15 cent chip that, you know, Electroharmonics put into their delay pedal or whatever. Um, the loop itself sounds terrific. Stick a piece of wire in it and listen to it. Turn up the send and return and you realize the loop sounds great, but it's very high resolution. If you, if you put something in that doesn't sound good, you're going to know about it. And then Dave's laughing because he's probably been down that road too. Yeah, the same conversation. <laughs> totally. Totally. Sure. Your loop sucks. No, it doesn't. You know? Something's wrong with the loop. Okay. Unplug, <clears throat> unplug your two cables from the loop. Does sound still pass? Yeah. Is it fine now? Yeah. Well, guess what? Ain't the loop. Fine. <laughs> Because <laughs> sounds passing through exactly, it. jack to jack, totally, jack to jack, jack. <laughs> That's funny. Exactly. Uh, modern vintage. What's up, uh, Dave? With a BE one hundred deluxe serial number ending in nine zero zero four, indicate it's the fourth BE one hundred deluxe ever made. No. That would indicate that it's the fourth amp on 0919. So that's the date, the month, and the year, and that's number four of that month. 
I and used to do the, serial numbers like that too. <laughs> and what's the 366? I have no idea. <laughs> and as long as, the ARS, not, as long as it's I'm not 666. <laughs> and ARS and Bremar tubes and your signature on it stock, or did you mod it? Bremar tubes. Uh, Bremar, someone added that somewhere hmm. along the line for sure. Yeah. ARS probably uh, for that era, yeah, when we were able to get the, the tubes that they had. Uh, that's a whole other problem with the amp industry. <laughs> is somebody making, is somebody branding Brymar tubes now? I, I'm not aware of no, what they are. No, probably. These, those are old. Those are old. Oh, okay. He must have gotten lucky. Don't tell Mike Matthews. He'll buy the trademark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. We can sell them to you. They're, they're $25 a tube wholesale. <laughs> I, I, I got to be honest with you. I recently started buying TAD again. Um, TAD now has a new factory in China. Keep this to yourselves. Don't put it on the internet. Um, but I bought a couple of hundred 6Ls, 6Vs, and 12AX7s. And I have to tell you, the quality has been excellent. They sound good. They're consistent. Um, they've proven reliable so far. Um, the price is fair. And, you know, in, in a world where we're looking at Russian tubes, no thank you. And we're looking at JJ tubes that they can't build them fast enough. And it's pretty obvious when you buy them that they're not the quality you expected. Um, TAD, the guy who runs TAD is a, a, a smart guy. Andreas is a genius. He mm -hmm. found a company in China that made tubes for audiophiles, a small company. Yeah, they hired some engineers away from Shugang because Shugang's been closed for a couple of years now. <clears throat> and they don't know exactly when they're going to open. Um, and I got to tell you, what I've been getting of late has been terrific. And I think um, Stuart McDonald and a couple of the, you know, the resellers have been starting to sell them. Um, listen, they're not cheap. I mean, I remember when I started doing this in the 70s, you could buy a 12X7 for two bucks. Um, you know, retail now is probably a good 30 bucks on a 12X7. Um, a quad of power tubes is probably a buck and a half, but the quality I have to say so far from TAD has been very good. Um, so I, yeah. I got no complaints. I mean, you might want to check them out. It's the PS vein factory. Yes. Uh, and the, their, their red base series is the, uh, ones from them. Uh, we, we get similar tubes, although they're still working some kinks out. <laughs> To be honest, but um, but they'll work it out. Oh, no doubt, no doubt at all. They'll work it out eventually. It's just you, they get a little, you get a little speed bumps in the road a little bit, you know. But um, um, they'll work it out eventually. And then yep. Tad is going to be screening him severely. So mm. um, absolutely right. So yeah, uh, Chuck McNeil, thanks for the super chat. Oh, then you you gave us a, a super chat earlier. Thanks for twice. Uh, hey, Mark, Dave, any question for Dave? Wanting a little more plexi tone with my JJ100. Wondering about a small box pedal. Is there a clean channel? In the clean channel, I think he was saying. Uh, uh, yeah, small about, oh, oh, yeah. Wondering about the small box in the clean channel. Sure. I mean, that'll work great. Yeah. That that's probably the the only way you're gonna get it. Yeah. So, yeah, for sure, that'll work. Okay. Uh, yeah, someone was earlier. We had a 
some kind of noise or nose breathing or something. I don't know what was going on. Uh, Paco Casanovas. Hi, Andy. <laughs> Hi, Paco. How's it going, brother? One of Thanks. the best technicians in Europe you'll ever meet. He's in Switzerland. He's a genius. He's a great designer, a great repair person. And if you're in the neighborhood, stop in and, and get stuff fixed because he's fantastic. He's a good guy. Awesome. That's cool. Um, 40 Grit. Dave, is it odd having groove tubes in my Soldano Hot Rod 50? I just had it serviced, and the guy told me to leave them in. They are probably better than new tubes. Well, groove tubes are a brand. I mean, it's a brand, but it's they're just tested and remanufactured tubes. So depending on what era you're talking about your groove tubes, they could be Sylvania tubes. They could be... Uh, German tubes, they could they could be all sorts of things. I serviced a couple of fenders the last year or two that had groove tubes in them that were JJ. Yeah. Uh, obviously, JJ manufactured, but groove tube branded. Yeah, so, I mean, they, they, they branded all sorts of different tubes over the years, so it just depends on what tubes, particular tubes, were in your, in your amp. So, groove tubes is not, like, they don't manufacture anything. Mm -hmm. uh, Jeff... Jeff is curious when your guitars are going to be available again. He's saving up for a vintage T. They're available now. It's just they're in short supply. So when stores do get them, they go away. If and it's good, it's worth waiting for. <laughs> who's stopping them, Dave? I, that's a good question. <laughs> what, what dealers they're going out to? Okay. Probably see some more soon, though. I know Pitbull Audio. I think just got some that they're they're going to be putting up on their website. So. Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. Um, scrolling through here. So let me show off um, your website. Oh, so you, you used to do pedals also, Andy, right? You guys were talking about pedals. You don't make pedals anymore? Uh, we suspended them for a while. You know, of course, when you stop making them, then you get the emails. Hey, I'm trying to buy this, and I can't get it anymore. It's like, well, only where were you when I was making pedals? <laughs> um, <laughs> exactly. it, was, it was kind of a casualty of the pandemic, I guess. Um, we will be probably before the year is over, maybe by probably by midsummer, we will be reintroducing pedals. Uh, some of the models will be carrying over. Um, there'll be some new models. We've got a few base pedals, um, but there's probably going to be a good eight or ten, you know, new pedals. And we learned a lot, um, you know, over the years as far as economical and practical ways of manufacturing things. Um, you know, one of the mistakes I'm free to admit is we we had a really big line of pedals and they were all different colors and sizes and shapes, which of course, you know, made it necessary for me to stock a lot of stuff. Um, you know, somebody wants X pedal, but you only have Y pedal on the shelf. Um, the new pedal lineup is going to share uh, a common enclosure. Um, so I don't have to stock as much metal work. Uh, they're designed for more efficient production. Um, a lot more surface bound stuff, ribbon cables, things like that. 
where there's a lot less handwork to get them out the door. Um, so we're definitely going to be bringing them back, you know, probably by mid year. Um, and we're looking forward to getting them back. Cause you know, guys are reaching out, Hey man, like my buddy's got this pedal. It's great. Where can I get one? Um, you know, our compressor was well received. Our gain boost was well received. There were a handful of products that I'm still getting people asking for. And it's like, Hey, hang in there, you know? So they're coming back. That's cool. Great. Great. Great to hear. Um, fan of the wild mark you have some badass looking guitars behind you hey thanks uh i see you have an explorer and a star would you say the explorer at least acoustically sounds better like eddie said when he cut his destroyer uh i definitely i mean they're two different woods it's hard to say but i would say that there's definitely more mass in the explorer it just sounds it just sounds thicker i, I would agree mm -hmm. Um, but then again, I also have a Floyd Rose on the uh, on the Star guitar, and that changes the tone significantly, also because it's all routed out of the back. Um, so it's kind of kind of hard to compare. But but I would say that the Explorer sounds bigger. And then there's another question for me, uh, Mark. How do you like the iconic? I like the 5150 Iconic. It's a cool amp. James Brown did a great job on it. He's a great engineer and a super nice guy, too. Super yeah. nice. I like, love James. Yep. James is great. <laughs> Absolutely. Totally. Uh, I invited him to come back on, but um, you know, he, I think he has to wait his time out with Fender. Mm. Um, so that was the same with Howard. He pretty much told us, like, you know, uh, when I used to reach out to him, he'd say, give, give me till I retire, <laughs> and then I could talk for whatever mm -hmm. reason. Um, so let's see. Um, any Okay, there's a question for you, Andy. What's the difference between the Fuchs Casino line and the ODS? Okay, um, and that, that's a question that came up when we first introduced the casino line. You know, the first question was, wow, are you making this in the USA because it's really affordable? Uh, and the answer is yes. Um, all of our amps, and it's kind of similar to what, what a lot of amp companies do, all of our amps have a similar voice. Um, as you move up through our three different product uh, levels, you gain more flexibility, basically. And if you think of the uh, casino stuff as ODS light, if you will, <clears throat> uh, it's an ODS with the EQ switch in the rock mode. It doesn't have a bright switch or a deep switch or any pull pots, but circuitry wise, very similar to an ODS, just, just simplified. Um, and the advantage in that amp, and we're migrating more towards this in a lot of what we build, it's a single circuit board for the entire amp. Um, so the power tubes are off the, the, the PC board, the preamp tubes and the pots are all on the board and the way it's built, if you had to service it, you could use a clip lead to ground the board and literally operate the amp with the board hanging out of the chassis, um, designed for serviceability. Cause that's where I come from. But the main advantage is labor. Um, we can build that amp probably two or three hours on the bench by the time we mount the transformer sockets and wire it all up. Whereas an ODS is probably more like eight to nine hours. 
and ODS two is probably more like twelve to thirteen hours. Um, so you're saving a lot on on assembly time. Um, we still use all the same parts. All the components come from the same vendors, um, but it's just a more efficient build. We're able to get them out the door quicker. It's a one-piece chassis where the other models are three-piece chassis. The fronts and backs come off, um, which allow me to make multiple models on the same basic pan. I call it my K-car or my Volkswagen, where I have my little bottom you know, pie tin around which I build the amp. Um, mm -hmm. But that's a single chassis as opposed to three pieces, and that's probably you know half the cost. So little by little, you add all of that up, and you can you can put it out at a more affordable price. But sound wise, you know they definitely have a family resemblance. Hopefully, your kids all look alike. We feel the same way with amps. T <laughs> <laughs> uh, Funk, who do you recommend in LA to service with Princeton? Also, is there any standard tweaks that should be done on an amp while it's in a doctor's office? I'm in LA Valley. Mm -hmm. Thanks. You can bring it to me. There you go. <laughs> Shameless self-promotion. <laughs> I, mean, I can service it. I think I'm capable on the Princeton. I imagine I'm, I'm qualified. <laughs> God knows I hope so. Uh, they, I mean, there's a few tweaks you can do to a Princeton, uh, a few little things, but uh, not too many, really, that are really make a lot of sense. It's a simple amp. It's a little bit of fine-tuning here and there, and you know, you don't have to do a lot of major work to make them do some nice things. Mm -hmm. uh, do Fuchs amps use electrons in a crystal Latisse? <laughs> what? what does that if, mean? If I, if I told you, I'd have to kill you. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, speaking of LA Rex, anyone know a good guitar luthier tech in LA? WeHo. Dave? Yeah. I, I know if someone wants to email me, I can give you the contact information. But uh, not anywhere near WeHo. So, well, they're Whatever probably happened to Andy Brower? Wow, he was in WeHo, wasn't he? No, he was in North Hollywood. I used to work for him. He was a no. Oh, there you go. When I was a kid, a long time ago. Mm -hmm. uh, if you have an interesting tone talk, it would be talk to him now. Mm -hmm. Is he still around? He's around. He's busy <laughs> speaking to aliens at this time. Could be. Oh, really? <laughs> That's why I said it would be an interesting show. Okay. <laughs> Okay, I got you. Uh, Frank Quinn, do Friedman and Fuchs break in their speakers before seating them into cabs? No. Uh, not I, I do. I do a limited amount of that. Um, we, we run our, our amps are on a burn rack that turns them on two or three hours at a time and then turns them off two or three hours at a time. And we usually do that for a couple of days. So the chassis um, not only are broken in, but the tubes are kind of shaken down in case they decide to die. I'd rather they die in my shop than in your home. Um, Speaker-wise, I've thought about it for a while. i got to be honest with you. I buy a warehouse primarily. I like the ET65 and the ET90. Um, I haven't found a, a real need to break them in. Um, you know, that being said, the best way is to take them out and gig them and beat the hell out of them and break them in yourself. You know, um, there's a couple of, you know, vendors, Weber and people like that, that 
they put speakers on a transformer in a variac and let them run for an afternoon and make them buzz and stretch a little bit. I don't know how much you really get from that. I mean, Dave may not agree. I don't know, but I think there's a limited return to it. I think you'd rather get the amp out the door than spend three days letting a speaker buzz in the corner of your shop. I mean, it makes a difference breaking the speakers in. Uh, I have done this in the past for a few people, but uh, boy, yeah, you really, to do it right, you don't want to And on to a production right. level, it's impractical on a production level. You can't do it on a production level. Totally. And, and honestly, I get amps back that are 10 or 15 years old. It's amazing that you're saying, well, it might be time for filter caps or it might be time for whatever. And honestly, amps that have been beat up for the 10 or 15 years, they clearly have a sonic advantage over an amp that was built an hour ago. You can you can definitely hear the break in. Um, they definitely sound more organic, more musical, more loose um, just from being used. But how practical is that in a manufacturing level? I mean, you know, do you want Ford to drive the cars around for a couple of hundred thousand miles and then sell them to you? You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gotcha. Uh, it's impossible I, to do in production. Yeah, it is impossible. Uh, we got Edward Muhammad uh, says, love my Fuchs Overdrive Supreme HT. I'm afraid to change the settings on the trim pot inside. I love the sound. My recommendation is use that thing you're probably talking on your cell phone and take a picture of the position of your pots inside. Get yourself a nice Sharpie, you know, mark them. And then if you want to experiment, at least you know where you're going to go back to if you don't uh, like the changes you've made. Fear not yep. the screwdriver. Yeah, why not? Give it a shot. You totally. might, You might like it. Absolutely. Uh, hey, Dave, are you still considering making a Butter Slacks Mini? Um, probably not at the moment. Okay. Wait, uh, I have a question for you. Is Bill, Bill Kelleher still with you guys? Because I saw him. Yeah, that was a whole bunch of bullshit. Okay. Yeah. It was kind of like a trap. Um, no. Bill still... Uh, plays his main amp is his signature amp and he is doing another product that's not an amplifier maybe with mm. or something else with them but not ahead okay so, good i'm glad i'm glad you clarify clarified that yeah because there was some a little bit of hoopla about that online yeah. and we never discussed that it was kind of uh, an interesting um move that video was yeah it was like he was trapped yeah yeah i saw the video yeah he did mention that he was playing the friedman amp did he i didn't yep, absolutely I forgot. I forgot okay yep. uh marvel harris is dave taking mod work did uh he get any additional help yet i still do mod work i just got to catch up on what i have uh so am i taking it i, I will take some eventually but uh, you know, there was a backlog. There's some stuff. There's there's some projects, shall we say, that have been sitting way too long, and I really should finish them. So, and that's the problem with with doing custom mod work. You know, you you, go, you you if you're the guy, and people want your services, you know, it's not like you can really delegate that to someone else. You know, no. 
Yeah. I yeah. get that. Uh, Modern Vintage, thank you. Dave, how would that 2019 100 Deluxe with ARS Bremar tubes be, be versus a current one? Do you keep records of serials and mods done, or do you need to look at the amp? He'd have to look at the amp. I don't keep any serials of anything. I have no idea about any amp I've ever modded. You have to show me a picture. Yeah. You Probably too? I, I, mean, I can't. I'm not that organized. Sorry. <laughs> I agree. It must be a. It must be the same thing for for like amp guys in general. I'm the same way. Do you know what you I, did to this amp eight like years eight, ago? I, I don't want a spreadsheet where I'm putting all these serial numbers in. I just don't have the time. I got other stuff to do. Yep. You know, I, I I have no idea. It sounds like a great idea, but I need someone to do it for me. <laughs> totally. You know. Uh, convicted rocker, love from Indiana, gentlemen. Have a fifty-one fifty. 3EL3450 watt with a 412 Marshall, 16 ohms, and 250-150-2x12s, both 16 ohms with 8-ohm speakers. Can I somehow run all three cabinets? 16-ohm, 2 both 16-ohm, 8-ohm speakers. Uh, so 16-ohm, six, yeah, sure. You'd probably have to run your app at Four ohms, so that's three cabinets, right? Yeah. All 16 ohms. How many cabinets is enough? Seriously. <laughs> yeah. Does cabinets. the amp actually have three outputs for the – for? Well, how you're going to do that, that, that's a different story. But um, yeah. uh, theoretically, yes, you can run three. You'd have to run your amp at four ohms. Uh, it's actually a little higher than four ohms, but that would be perfectly fine. Okay. Uh, when is the next vault show? Thanks for signing the Waza course, Dave. I look forward to the next opportunity to buy some of your stuff. Uh, we'll probably do one soon. Okay, then. <laughs> we'll, we'll probably do one again soon. Uh, I have lots more to sell. so I don't have that much, quite honestly, unless I start selling comic books. I don't think I don't think I, I, I will put as many up at once because let me tell you, shipping all this stuff was a oh, Jesus. Yeah, it was a pain in the ass. I still have a few things though. If you're interested, I ha I still have two uh, Digitech Ricochets. I have the TC Parametric EQ. Um, I have the little um, TC Flashback. And the boss overtone pedal. Okay. So I'm not showing them in front of the screen, but hit Dave up. Hit me up if you're interested in any of that stuff. He's holding Dave. the two people that the two ricochets I had, I have two. I had commitments from two people and then they disappeared. I had a few people who did that. And I was even like, Can you just send me an email saying yeah, no, never mind. I don't want it. That's all I want to know. <laughs> I don't care that you didn't don't want it. Just give me an email back. You don't want it. Yeah, just it's not that hard. I can just delete your email after uh, I sent you three emails. You know. Yeah, modern vintage, Dave. What was your method of breaking in speakers? Oh man, well they would be loaded into a four by twelve, and I would take a hundred watt Marshall. 
put the four by twelve face down on the ground, take a hundred watt Marshall and play a, a play into a looper and put it put like some playing actually through the hundred watt Marshall on ten through that four by twelve. Oof. That's and then let, and let it run for like three hours, and then let it run for a while, and then let it run for another three hours. <laughs> I actually Lather did some with how long and how it changed. It was interesting. It definitely gets sweeter and a little gooier and a little less stiff, and it's 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 interesting. It gets a little darker. Yeah. Uh, Andy, thanks for signing my vibrato pedal a year ago. Birdman. You are most welcome. That's cool. Uh, let's see. Lucky Licks. What does Andy say about the plus tube driven effects loop plus active buffer? Perfect pedal board edition. Um, it's not really intended for that. I mean, you can use it for that. Um, Kind of like the way you know the Fryette valvulator works. Um, it's the, the input end is a cathode follower, which is a good thing. It lowers your impedance to go through all your effects and cables, switches, and all that nonsense. The second half is a gain stage, like your typical effects loop. I don't know how much you really need that. Um, you know, if you've got a buffered effect, you know, at the end of your chain, I don't know if you're going to gain anything from it. You could try it. Um, the effects loop is more geared towards working at line level, though. Um, I've had some people that have really, really, you know, gone through, you know, dozens of tubes to get it quiet enough to operate it at guitar level because it really wasn't intended to be used at guitar level. So that's a little tough. Um, if you can find one used, we made a pedal uh, called a pedal pusher, which was basically two of our pure gain pedals in one box. And you run one in front of the pedal board, you run one after the pedal board, and you can buffer and boost either of them. So on the input end, if you want to hit your overdrive a little harder, <clears throat> I, I run one on my pedal board. I raise a couple of dB at the uh, input end of my pedal board just to overcome, you know, all the traffic on the pedal board itself. Mm. Then the second half of the pedal pusher you can use as a boost like for solos. So it's a buffer when it's not on which makes long cable runs back to your amp less of a problem. Um, and then you can kick in a boost if you want to, like, jump up 3 dB in solo and then jump back down again. Uh, you can set a preset boost on both ends of the pedal board, which is kind of nice. Um, that pedal should have been more successful than it was, said no one ever. Um, but it's, it's convenient because it really makes the pedal board a little more real-world friendly. And there should be some floating around Reverb or eBay or somewhere. If not, hey, PM me. I'll, I'll personally make you one and sign it. <laughs> There you go. There you go. Uh, Freddie Leal. Hey, guys. Big fan of the show. Question, Dave. Have you ever played or serviced an amp from Larry Groman? Amplification from Germany before? If so, what were your thoughts? Real high-end and rare amps. You ever hear of them? Oh, wow. Larry uh, amps. I've seen them around. Uh, I've never seen one in person. Neither have I. I've seen pictures of them, but never seen one in person. Really well-made from what I've seen pictures Beautiful of Beautiful stuff. So... Yeah. I don't know anyone who has one, though. So. Um, you guys see the madness this past week about bad monkeys? The yeah. Bad, mon bad monkey pedal. From, we were speaking about Josh Scott earlier. He did a video. Nice up with the pedal. <laughs> yeah. Comparing a bad monkey, a Digitech bad monkey to a Klon. 
to all these different pedals and the pedal was selling for like 40 50 bucks on reverb and then now it's like close to 200 no more than that well, oh yeah what what you know the, the whole you brought up the k word damn you you know listen the I never found myself enamored with the clon. I mean, Bill Finnegan's a sweetheart of a guy. We spoke on the phone for a few hours and about the business and, you know, building stuff and all of that. Um, I encouraged him to have the stuff outsourced because he was building them himself. You know, find yourself a job shop and have them made in quantity and, you know, get your life back. He was paranoid that, you know, his job shop was going to steal his, you know, technology or whatever. Um, you know, the Klon's a good pedal, and there's guys that make it work. I mean, hell, Jeff Beck used one. I mean, a lot of iconic players love them. I was never enamored with it, but, I mean, I have my own, you know, opinion of what, what good tone is for me. Um, but what blows my mind is how crazy the prices have gotten on this pedal. You know, and, and now you've got, you know, $20 Seriatone clones of this pedal. You know, it's... It's it's something I just it scratch my head and wonder how this business got that crazy over you know one given device you know as if the the Dumble madness wasn't enough um, you know mm -hmm. the Klon thing is just like really you know I've got a few customers that are like yeah man I got an original Klon I'm gonna like retire on that thing yeah good luck with that you know eventually that's got to die down <laughs> yeah it's ridiculous I mean, it's the magic diodes yeah. The um, <laughs> uh, modern vintage he says mark can you please ask dave to answer my question regarding the super chat regarding how the amp would sound with those tubes he's talking about the the amp with the AR, ars and bremar tubes how would it sound it sound fine just sound like a b100 deluxe i mean there's nothing really i mean yeah, you got a, a few vintage uh, Brimar tubes in it. That'll sound really good because they're cool. And, um, I mean, other than that, I don't know which tubes they replaced in it. You know, I don't know if it was the first slot ones or, or what they did with the Brimars exactly. So, you, I mean, ARS, so if, if it's the first slots were replaced with Brimar, then the and their ARS and the other slots, they are probably the old Chinese uh tubes, which are great. The old Shigong Chinese um 12AX7s, which I miss dearly. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> no problem. You know, the, the funny thing with this whole vintage tube thing, I mean, I like older tubes myself. I mean, I've got a lot of pulls. Amperexes, Telefunkins, Bugle Boys, you know, uh, Mullards in particular. If you put them in certain parts of the circuit, you can really appreciate what they're able to do. Um, in my amps, for example, in the overdrive slot, I love early 60s Mullards. And they hold up. You know, obviously they were made when tubes were still being made at a high quality. Um, they sound wonderful. Um, but I also have to qualify that by saying I get a lot of repairs in <clears throat> from guys that spent stupid amounts of money on eBay buying NOS baby. Um, and you know, why does my Fender Deluxe crackle and whistle? And, you know, if I bang on the top of my amp, it rings like, you know, Christmas ornaments, you know, and you can't put them in every position um, because they're old and they're microphonic and they're noisy or they're fidgety or they're not actually NOS. They're used old stock, not new. 
I mean, there's not a constant, uh, you know, endless supply of this stuff out there. You know, there's not some secret warehouse somewhere filled with hundreds of thousands of brand new old tubes. Um, in certain locations, they can be beneficial, but not not a blanket thing, you know. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, buyer beware on that stuff. Totally. Uh, Fry at Amps. Oh, shit. Now we're going to start getting calls. Thanks, Andy. Like I didn't have enough to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, not, not only is it in the chat, but Stevie's also texting me some stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah? That's fine. Thank God he doesn't have my number. <laughs> I like what Steve does. I think Steve's amps are terrific. Yeah. And anytime, oh, yeah. anytime I ever have to fix them, they're very minor repairs. You know, they're solid as a rock. They're beautifully built. They sound great. There you go. Yeah, he makes great stuff. I've been playing his uh, his Ultra Lead uh, Synergy module recently. It's really great. Um, let's see. Uh, here we go. John DeShane. Hi, Andy. I have a... I had an ODS 100 in the early 2000s, and it had the ability to create a totally controllable, almost Ebo-like feedback. What current model of yours has that characteristic with such a great amp? Would I be bragging if I said all of them? <laughs> with, with, you know, pretty much any of the models are capable of doing that. I mean, you know, I, I do it, you know, and part of it is the player. You know, if you are able to do it, you should still be able to do it. I mean, I've had customers that have said, man, I, you know, I saw your demo. I went out and bought the same guitar and the same amp, but I can't get the same tone. I mean, I had a customer come to the shop and, you know, I plugged his amp in and plugged the guitar in. My shop pig is a uh, 78 Gibson The Paul, this big slab of walnut, um, and it's beat up and nicked, and I clean it with with uh, steel wool because it's got no finish left. And I'll play it, and they'll go, man, that sounds great. And then you hand them the guitar, and they can't replicate the tone. And they forget that, you know, the element of guitar and amp, the third part of the triad, is you as a player. You know, Robin Ford could hand his guitar to Larry Carlton, and it wouldn't sound the same. And it, it's true of everything. Um, our amps are very touch sensitive um you know some customers say our amps are more revealing than they want them to be um you know it, it shows my mistakes i got to be a better player because of your damn amp well that's not necessarily a bad thing but i mean if a hack like me can sound good through it anybody could you know but but you as the player you know you're driving the bus man if you if you can't get your hands and fingers to do what you want that tone to be you know a dumble or anything else is not going to get you there Yep. Yep. There, like you said, it's, there's many factors to the tone and the hands are part of it. Part I, of I go to open mics and blues jams all the time. Cause I like to play, have a beer, make some noise. And I, I freely let people use my gear. Hey, can I plug into your amp? Absolutely. Knock yourself out. Mm -hmm. And you know, a beautiful singing tone, a beautiful blues tone, nice overdrive. Everything's great. You hand them over the cable, they plug it into their guitar Two minutes later, they're twiddling and adjusting and playing around with the knobs. And it's like, dude, you just heard the amp. The amp sounded great. What exactly are you trying to do? You know, and they don't realize that they are a big input as much as every other part of the system. Yep. 
uh, CNC Tomatic. Uh, hey, Dave and Andy, ever seen a train wreck up close? And what did you think? And Pete well, I'm in New Jersey. Like, there's train wrecks falling out of trees around here. You should move to New Jersey. You can find them. They're like 50 bucks at garage sales. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, it's like, it's like going to Canada and you, you find trainers in the garbage in Canada all the time. Um, I think Ken was a great guy. Um, I spoke to him on the phone a couple of times. He's, he was an, an interesting cat. He had his own way of doing things. Um, train wrecks, much like Dumbles, are an amp that are, you got to be the right kind of player to get the most out of it. Um, I built some train wreck inspired stuff. It wasn't an amp that I myself could use, but I had players that thought they were fantastic and they, they were really close to what a train wreck did which meant a lot to me. Um, Ken was very critical about the, the wire he used, the type of parts that he picked. His physical chassis layout was important to him. Um, he built a great amplifier. Um, and it was a, it was kind of an example of the minimum moving parts. You know, there's no channel switching, um, not a whole lot of componentry. Um, and when you do that, you know, I always make the cooking analogy you know, the less uh, ingredients in the recipe, the more critical it is how you use them. Um, Ken was an example of that. Um, they were very basic, very simply built amps in bud boxes. He didn't even have chassis made for him commercially. Um, the only thing he had made was the beautiful hardwood cabinets. But I think they're great amps for the guys that can put them to use and, and, and make them rock. They're great. Yeah, I mean, the video that Pete did with one of them was amazing. I mean, that amp. Oh, yeah. There, there was another guy in Nashville, I forget his name, who did a, a ton of train wreck videos. I forget his screen name was Chicken Picker or whatever it was. And, and you know, again, in the hands of the right player, you know, Joe Bonamassa used to say it's like putting somebody behind the wheel of a Ferrari who can't drive. You know, if you've got the right player and the right amp and he can make it do what it's intended to do, you know, mm -hmm. a hack isn't going to make it work. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I have seen a well, bunch. I've, I've had a few of them pass over the bench. Oh, yeah. Um, well, just, you know, sheer proximity. I'm probably 20 minutes from where Ken's shop was. Um, and I think he sold a lot of amps locally in the beginning. You know, of course, they've migrated all over the world now. Right. But, you know, I've had a handful of guys that are like, oh, man, I need, you know, I need this thing fixed. And Ken's, you know, Ken's not around. Um, they're not tough to fix. They're, they're, they're open. He didn't goop anything. He didn't cover up any values with paint or anything like that, you know. There, he was pretty transparent about it. Um, Lucky Licks asks, Andy, do you know Bjorn Jewel? Could you mod my amp if I sent you one to you? I know Bjorn. Um, isn't he the med professor dude, I think? Yep. Um, yeah, he was on our you know, show. I, mean, I, I, I could certainly tweak it. I don't, even, I don't know what you're looking for, but if you email me or PM me uh, on Facebook or whatever, I mean, I can, I'll help you in any way I can. Okay. I don't even yeah. know where where Bjorn is of late. He I haven't seen him around much. Yeah, he was on our show last year. Um, I think it was last year. Sometime I can't remember, but yeah, he he's I think where is he in Europe? He's somewhere in Europe. I um, I'm in Denmark, maybe Sweden. I don't yeah, know. that's where I was thinking. From? That's where I was thinking Denmark. Yeah, probably. I came to mind. Uh. Bertimus C, did you have a question that you wanted to ask? Because I don't see it. Uh, oh, just saying hi. All right. Hey, thank you. Appreciate appreciate hey. it. 
Um, well, I think we've gone through all the questions, and uh, I appreciate you coming on, Andy. We we made it ninety minutes. I appreciate you having me. God, the, getting my computer at work to cooperate and my stupid iPhone saved the day. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad it worked. I'm glad it all worked out. Thankfully, absolutely. And I didn't even say it. I looked next to your name. You, you know, are you Irish in some way? Happy uh, St. Patty's Day. No, I'm German Italian. Okay, I just figured I'd throw it out there because you had the little Italian Friedman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, our next guest is on the 31st, and that's uh, James Finnerty of uh, Rewind Electronics or Rewind, Rewind Electric. I don't know the name. What 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 does Rewind do? Rewind uh, pickups. Pickups. PAF. Oh, nice. Okay. He also wrote a book on the PAF. Nice. Yeah, book out there. Yeah. The PAF. It's called the Gibson PAF Humbucking Pickup from Myth to Reality. Yeah. yeah Who would think you could show. write a book on that one iconic pickup? That there's enough there's enough meat there to actually put a book together. That's pretty cool. Pickup that was made a hundred different ways. With, yeah, lots with, of fun. Yeah, exactly. Was, with whatever magnet had, was in. I had, I had a 63 Les Paul SG, and all three of the PAFs that were in that son of a bitch howled like a dog in heat. Yeah, you know, fair. And <laughs> you, know, you get a good one, they're fantastic, but all the others, you know, sheesh. Right. Yeah. Yep, everything with, that has this lore about it, not every one of them was amazing, I'm sure. Listen, that's that's true of everything. And, and listen, I, I would openly say that about my amps. I'm sure Dave would agree you know, there's amps that are outstanding. I get amps off the production line. It's like, man, that one, that's tits. And it's not right. that any of them are not good, but there's always one that stands out. And that's true. of Dumble is a great example of that. You know, I played a couple of Dumbles that were like, yeah, what's the big deal? And then I played a couple that like scared the hell out of me that they were just so alive and, you know, let, let's do this. Let's do the dance. Um, and that's true of so many things. I get Champ is a good example, Fender Champs. I get them in the shop for service. Some of them are just like, oh, my God, I don't want to give this amp up. It's amazing. And then you mm -hmm. get a, a, you know, a champ a few weeks later. It's like, this thing sounds like a, a can of angry bees. What the hell? And there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not a good one. That's why I, I, I got that one, a little silver face champ. That thing sounds but great. Do you, record it, do you record it in the bathroom sitting on a toilet like Joe Bonamassa? Because that's the secret. Oh, shit. I haven't done that yet, but I'll try it. <laughs> He actually did a video with a tweed champ sitting on a toilet with a microphone plastered in front of it, and God damn it, the tone was good. <laughs> Why not? I'm sure it did. That's funny. He can probably make anything sound good. Um, well, th thanks so much, Andy, for coming on the show. Hang on while we say My goodbye. My pleasure. And, uh, Whenever you want to do it out. again, I'm, I'm, I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, check out FuchsAudioTechnology.com. Reach out to Andy, check out their gear, and um, great amps, great products. So, And if you're in the New York, New Jersey area, our shop is 20 minutes west of Manhattan. Uh, we're doing a guitar show in May in Brooklyn. Uh, Mountain Cat Guitars is running a show. We'll be there hanging out with some amps and guitars and beer and whatever. Um, so that should be fun. Um, and, you know, feel free to reach out if there's anything we can do for you. Yeah, and also all your servicing needs. The, Absolutely. Uh, we got we got a busy repair shop. We service Dave's stuff. We uh, 
we pretty much fix almost anything. Yeah. That's Fantastic. Awesome. All right. Well, Absolutely. hang on. Hang on while we say goodbye. Uh, everybody take have a great weekend. All right. See you guys. Uh, Absolutely. We'll, we'll talk to you on the 31st. Make sure you hit subscribe. All right. There you go. Thank you.